We're still clinging on to one or two old mistakes, but we are also going off in a lot of cool new directions. Let's talk about it. But first, because I'm a kind and generous soul, and I'm always willing to reach across the aisle to the people not quite on the right side of things, got a special little treat here for all the Bianca Belair fans. Enjoy. Let's just hope they don't fuck it up between now and WrestleMania. What's going on, everybody? It's your buddy, it's your pal, Spaz Phoenix, the YWC Reality Check. Here with your February 19th, 2020 NXT review, and we're going to do the house cleaning first, as we always do. Want to send a quick shout-out, quick thank you to everybody that joined myself and Jake DeMarco for our preview for NXT TakeOver Portland. That was a lot of fun. Big thank you to uh, Jake for joining us once again. He's quickly becoming the NXT guy, a la Guapo is our AEW guy. When uh, AEW's knockoff of Revolution comes around, Guapo will be back to talk about Revolution. And I think, I think vampire Shayna Baszler has brought our good friend Black Hat Feline back into the fold as well. So hopefully, going to be... Uh, I'm going to be adding her back to the mix sooner than later. So that was a lot of fun. TakeOver Portland was great. It did everything it was supposed to do. It established what an NXT-only weekend is supposed to feel like. We made the card a little bit bigger. It's all good. We had one repeat match in there that even the repeat match didn't, didn't hurt my feelings. I mean, Dijak and Lee, yes, it was a repeat. Yes, I didn't really want to see it again. Yes, I would have rather seen somebody new, but it was still good. The surprise match of the night was Kai versus Knox. How fucking good was that, other than the weird Gonzalez introduction? I will say, because I take the piss out of AEW when they do it, I will say it here too as well, uh, just sort of bringing her out with a crowd that doesn't really know who she is and expecting the crowd to know who she is and giving her a new name on top of it was not... Sorry, my chair's doing a thing was not the best idea in the world, but the match itself, Jesus Christ, Balor and uh, Balor and Gargano was what it was. It was that standalone match for matches sake uh, match, and it was as good as, as anticipated, and it fed into the narrative at the end of the night. The Broserweights are your tag team champions, and, and just ruminate over over everything that, that that means. Anybody that tuned into the... Uh, the preview that Jake and I did, know that I managed to compare the Broser Waits to the TV show Scandal and the fictional restaurant known as what as uh, Gettysburger. So that was a thing. Uh, Bianca Belair got moved swiftly out of the way by Charlotte and Rhea Ripley. We can talk about that later. And Gargano versus, or sorry, not Gargano, Ciampa versus Cole was everything you wanted it to be from that commentary desk reverse powerbomb suplex spot all the way on you really did worry on edge levels how how his neck was doing and it was really good and then we had the turn of Johnny Gargano now I'm mixed on that I don't fully have an opinion on that yet not not the way the turn 
went or anything like that because they did it as well as you can do a turn that's already been done a couple of times but going into WrestleMania do we really want to be retreading old road that is another story for another time because I want to believe that it's going to lead us to another another iteration of Cole versus Balor but it's like even more heel Cole versus even more heel Balor at this point but the show as a whole was great we didn't have, I mean, we had the Reina Gonzalez introduction, but we didn't have any other random surprise for surprise's sake. Poppy was really, really good. Um, again, I'm going to repeat a lot of what Jake and I said in the preview, but Poppy is sort of NXT's adopted house band now, and I wouldn't, I don't think that I would grab a Poppy album off the shelf if you offered it to me. I really wouldn't, but it fits... It fits with what NXT does. I mean, I'm not a big fan of Slipknot either, but what they do, uh, what's the song, We Are Not Your Kind, that they do on the weekly show, it, it just works. It just does its thing. It's good. Now, that's it. We could talk briefly about Raw, but Raw is the same as it's been the past couple of weeks. Angel Garza doing Angel Garza things, but I mean, Angel Garza and Umberto Carrillo have now been absorbed into the mass that is the Bobby Lashley, Rusev, Lana situation, so we don't really want to talk about that too much. Some decent promo time between uh, Becky Lynch and Shayna Baszler, where Shayna Baszler told her she was going to rip the shit out of her, which has all kinds of weird uh, weird ways you can look at that, because you don't shit out the back of your neck, do you? No, you don't. And, I mean, Charlotte is Charlotte, and yeah, I, I don't know. I want the match. The match we're getting at WrestleMania is awesome. Please don't fuck with it. But I don't need any Charlotte build for it. Build Rhea Ripley ten times over, but you don't need to build... Char Charlotte is the thing. It, it's a weird it's a weird dichotomy, too, because it is the first time a NXT title has been defended at WrestleMania. So Rhea Ripley's bringing the title and Charlotte Flair by virtue of, of winning the Royal Rumble. Words are escaping me already. It's a good sign for the rest of the video, isn't it? But Charlotte is the one bringing the WrestleMania. She's bringing WrestleMania to Rhea Ripley. Rhea Ripley's being, bringing the title to WrestleMania. It's a very, very cool thing, and I don't want them to water it down by adding extra people to it. Moving on. If you are watching me or listening to me for the first time, if you're listening to me in an audio form and you want to find me on YouTube, go to YouTube, search Spats Phoenix. If you're watching me in the video right now, I'm a pretty sexy face in the gimmick hat. You want to go onto any of your podcast platforms. I'm not going to list them all off because there's like 20, but it's it's the usual, the Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, Google, all those sorts of things. iHeartRadio, TuneIn. Uh, I can't remember them all off the top of my head. Thank you, Anchor, for putting me on a bunch of different platforms that I can't remember. Uh, just type in Spats Phoenix Podcast. You will find me. <coughs> These reviews go live at on Thursday at 7 p.m. Toronto, Canada time. If you want to figure out what your time zone is from there, they go live 7 p.m. Thursday, Toronto, Canada time, the day after NXT. If you're again, if you're joining me for the first time, thank you very much. Uh, surrounding the video that Jake and I just did, I know a lot of people, especially folks like Shell and Bullfrog and all those folks over from the JCS Army, but others as well, the girls from the Pinups and Pinfalls podcast, etc., um, that keep throwing my name out there, keep getting my name out on social media, Twitter, etc. I really, really do appreciate it. I keep 
hammering at home, but there's no other way. There's no fancy new way for me to say how much I appreciate you guys spreading the word. And obviously, uh, Joe and Jake themselves have uh, tossed my name out more than they ever, ever need to. So uh, again, thank you to all of you guys for that. Let's get into this week's show. This week's show starts with a rundown of last week, as it always does, but also a rundown of Portland capped off with the Gargano heel turn. It's all good. And then we have Undisputed Era coming out. Adam Cole says, I told you all, obsession never beats destiny, and, and, and I popped for destiny, because who's a new current champion in NXT? That's Pete Dunne. When I was going to Destiny Wrestling, who was the champion? Again, Pete Dunne. Oh, yes. So, theoretically, I'm looking out at you, George Iceman. We need to get the broserweights onto, onto Destiny. That's really, really good. Now... Tyler Bate and Trent Seven are going to be at the next show. Can they take on the Broserweights? Could that be a thing? That's not what this video is about, is it? You all learned it the hard way. I'm the best NXT champion. That's undisputed. This belt is going nowhere. And Roderick Strong is going to set an example against the Dream tonight in the main event of what Undisputed Era can do and whatever. Now, Roderick Strong lost his title a while ago. The other two guys lost their title a while ago. So an example of what the Undisputed Era can do is not is not the verbiage you want. Then you hear Dream doing a voiceover. He wasn't in the ring, but there was that, that weird little opening chord of his music, and then lights go down. Basically, he does a whole lot of what he's been doing since he came back. Tonight, you can prove you're a real man, leave the boys in the back, prove, prove to me, prove to this audience, prove to your wife, you know, prove that you're a real man. Whatever Strong grabs the microphone and says, you're going to wish you never came back, which is great. Now, spoiler alert, there's nothing wrong with Dream versus Strong. I didn't get as much out of it as I wanted to. I was a little underwhelmed. Again, hoping that it's that, oh, we stuck it on the show because there's more to come later on down the line. I really do hope that that's the case. But if that's the case, don't make it the vein event. Meh. The vein event. Told you. It's going to be a rough night for speaking, guys. I am sorry. This should have been the vein event. I, I'm, I'm going to try not to do that again. Leo Rush versus Jordan Devlin for the Cruiserweight championship. Now, Leo Rush lost the title to Angel Garza, never got it back. Angel Garza didn't technically lose the title to Jordan Devlin, multi-man rules, etc. So, the, the claim that both of these guys have over the title is pretty fucking strong. And this was the match, this was the match that I raged about um, for TakeOver. Again, going back to the preview that we did last week, I said why would you give us Dijak versus versus um, Lee? Again, for that title. I get that it's a title. I get you want to establish the North American Championship. It's all good. But, the Cruiserweight Championship has not had focal point on a proper takeover. I know Worlds Collide, I get it, but on a proper takeover for NXT, the US-based brand of NXT that rebirthed that title, they have not had a proper focus on that title on an NXT takeover. And that's a real, real bummer. Not only is Leo Rush the guy that was part of the rebirth of that championship, Jordan Devlin representing the crossover between the two NXTs and the fact that he can represent that title on all three brands. It's the most wandering title in WWE other than the women's tag titles, and oh yeah, there's a women's tag team division. Uh, call her double tap in a shoving match in the corner to start. Devlin ducks a huge spin kick and they go into a test of strength. The kitchen sink of body shots by Devlin and a jawbreaker by Rush, a straight right hand and a mud hole stump, vertical suplex by Rush, a boot, a snake eyes and an uppercut, running elbow to the back of the neck by Rush. Now he mentioned a couple weeks ago that this was not the, the same Leo Rush that Angel Garza uh, beat for the title when he beat him for the title and then he proposed to his girlfriend and he's playing a ladies man on Raw, it's fine. So you did get a lot more aggression from Leo Rush in this match which is really really good. That running elbow to the back of the neck was a prime example. 
grabbed in front face lock by a Russian sleeper with a body scissor, a backpack sleeper by a Russian a handspring, uh, handspring heel kick, I can speak, I swear, knocking Devlin off the apron to the floor below, as Michael Cole would say. High knees by Devlin and, a, Devlin and a penalty kick, a seated senton by Devlin, some corner uppercuts, a forearm by Rush, a uranagi by Devlin, a half-and-half half suplex by Devlin, followed by a kitchen sink, followed by working the arm. There's a lot of spots in this match, I want to say, where it's heavy impact, heavy impact, heavy impact, surprise, you're in a submission now. And that is really, really good. Butterfly suplex by Devlin. The butterfly suplex that Devlin does is underrated. It's not one of his... It's not one of his finishers, it's not one of his setups, it's not one of his key moves, so it's not really focused on, but the butterfly suplex that he pulls off is really, really good. Camel clutch by Devlin and a choke over the second rope, body shots by Rush, corner chops by Devlin, uppercut, series of boots by Devlin, modified backbreaker by Devlin, both men trade some chops, and there's another jawbreaker by Devlin as we go into a commercial break proper. Now... There was a commercial break earlier in the match, and I did my damnedest to watch the little pitcher-in-pitcher -pitcher thing because, yeah, that's also a thing. God damn it, I might say this every week, my American friends, your commercials are fucking annoying, except for the we're gonna feed the world Snickers commercial. That does make me laugh, I'm not gonna lie. Mid-ring crossbody collision brings us back from the commercial break. There's a suicide dive by Rush, a top rope crossbody, a slingshot stunner by Devlin is nice, followed by another penalty kick. The penalty kick is becoming the new super kick, is it not? Watch out, Young Bucks. They're gonna start doing it any day now because AEW needs to catch up to NXT. They're doing a revolution now when NXT did revolution, what was it, five? Five years ago. Um, I could do the whole Britt Baker doing the role model thing after Bailey did the role model thing. You know, the, the Spanish God after Seth Rollins becomes Jesus. I just, I mean, the fact that their entire main roster other than like one guy in one tag team is all ex-WWE guys, but that's not what we're here to talk about. Is it Superkick by Rush, Standing Spanish Fly by Devlin, Koji Clutch by Rush, Tilt-A-Whirl Tornado Poison Rana from the top rope by Rush was absolutely fucking disgusting, but a head, a recovery, headbutt, and the Devlin slide, or sorry, the Devlin side gets the win for Jordan Devlin. And I was really hoping I don't usually like this, and I know that both AEW and NXT get get hell for this, but I was really hoping that this being sort of the penultimate chance for Leo Rush, that he would sort of not not bow out and, and, and admit defeat or anything like that, but that he would sort of fade into the background so Devlin could have his victorious moment, and I, I was hoping that somebody else, somebody from 205 Live, maybe even somebody from NXT UK like, um, what's his name? Uh, Travis Banks or somebody like that would come out and we would just like almost jumpstart a new feud because Leo Rush, as much as I would have loved to see him have the title again, because they waited until it was off him to make it not look like a grapefruit roll-up. If you'd given it back to Rush tonight, I would have been totally okay with that. You could have had another rubber match between these guys. It would have been fine, but you've decided that it's staying on Devlin. I'm all I'm all cool with that as well. I really do think that there's a lot you could do with Devlin, including some storylines with Finn Balor. That can be later on down the line. Right now, he's the cruiserweight champion. He's a great cruiserweight champion. Give him some more time on the mic because he's underrated on the mic. But jumpstart him into a new feud. You can't let the cruiserweight champion and thus the cruiserweight division sort of like rest on its laurels. Okay, that's done. That's done. That's done. This guy's done. That guy's done. We got rid of that guy. Who's the next guy? That this is where you get the, I've randomly jumped you because I'm the new contender. That would have been good here, but they just sort of let the minute sit. And that's okay. It really is okay. But they, they need to establish a new guy relatively quickly because Andrade 
is coming back to Raw this week. And he's going into that two-week tournament gauntlet thing in Saudi Arabia. We don't really need to talk about it right now. It's fine. But Angel Garza is on Raw replacing Andrade. If Andrade's back, Angel Garza's coming back to NXT. And if we keep it, I mean, they're three fantastic athletes. And if we get a triple threat match out of it, I might be okay with it. But if we don't get out of the circle of Devlin Garza rush, I don't want to say that it'll get boring, but it'll get repetitive and we'll get sort of like Lee and Dijak syndrome. So they got to really be careful with that balance. <sighs> Dakota Kai and Tegan Knox. I said that Gonzalez, the introduction of Gonzalez at the pay-per-view was a little bit lackluster and it was it was something cool. You know the bad guy is going to get big bad backup eventually. Triple H compared it to Shawn Michaels and Diesel. I don't think he needed to stretch that far. But we did need to hear the why. Why why uh, Raquel? Why? I'm going to have to get used to calling her Raquel because she was Reyna Gonzalez before in the... May Young Classic. She was relatively decent in the May Young Classic. Not somebody. If you go back to my May Young Classic uh, reviews that I did back in the day, there should be a playlist somewhere on the page. Uh, if you're listening to this in an audio form, you might have to go back to the YouTube channel for that because the uh, the reviews for that were not uh, were not available in podcast form because I wasn't doing the podcast at the time. Roddy, Roddy, Rock. But she was never really on my radar as somebody that was going to win it. You had star power in there, like Piper Niven and, and Rhea Ripley and Tony Storm, and we see how all these have uh, have come along. But she wasn't bad. She really, really wasn't bad. But she's in the back, and she's cutting a promo about basically she knows what it's like to be overlooked, and she knows what it's like to be left behind. It's happened to me at the Performance Center. It's happened to me uh, at the PC. It's happened to me here in NXT. Have you ever seen me on TV? Roddy, 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 everybody else gets called up from the PC, not me. So when I saw the same thing happen to Dakota Kai, she mentions uh, war games, etc. And it, it's it's not a very exciting thread. It's not a very exciting logic point, but it does work. And if it was a really, really exciting, new and innovative point, we would love it. And we don't want them to love the heels, so that's fine. Um, they basically started talking about how they're going to have each other's backs from now on and they're all going to be untouchable and Regal's like, yeah, uh, you're not untouchable because you're, you're definitely going to get touched by Tegan Knox again, which I was going to turn into a joke, but I'm not going to because respect and all that sort of 2020 bullshit. Basically, he interrupted them to announce that in two weeks there's going to be a cage match between Tegan... Losing my voice, so I just... That just happened. I don't even know. Dakota Kai, Tegan Knox. Cage match, two weeks from now. That's where we're going with this. That's what William Regal announced, and it's all good. Rhea is shown backstage at Portland talking about her match with Charlotte, and basically she responds with, hey, I'm going to show at WrestleMania that even queens can get nightmares, which is all good. Then we see Austin Theory coming out to the ring. Awesome. I, uh, I don't watch Evolve. I'm not familiar enough with Evolve other than to know that my girl Shotzi was there, but, uh... The one televised show that they did on the network that everybody was all upset about because AEW, derp derp But Austin Theory is really cool, and uh, I don't know 100% what I think about him yet, All other than I like what I see so far and I want to see more and all that sort of thing. Austin Theory comes out. Who's he facing? We don't know, because Ciampa comes out instead. Huge daddy's home chance. Talks about NXT TakeOver Portland. Theory goes to interrupt him. He says, just, just don't, man. Not today, man. Not today, son, is what he says. I should have seen it coming. 
I was so focused on Goldie, I stopped listening to my instinct. Johnny and me and the title, we all go hand in hand in hand. I won't ask why. I know why. Johnny knows why. Theory tries to interrupt him, tries to take the microphone, gets knocked out. There can be no Gargano in NXT if I want to have my life back. And then he proceeds for the next, I swear, two minutes or so to just beat the ever-loving shit out of Austin Theory for being there. Takes him out to the ramp and excessively one guardrail to the other guardrail to the other guardrail to the other guardrail to the other guardrail. Just beats the ever-loving piss out of Austin Theory. We find out later on in the night that we're actually going to get Austin Theory versus Tommaso Ciampa next week, which means Austin Theory's going to die. The sacrificial lamb metaphor comes in real proper here. We get a brief recorded promo in the back from Finn Balor, who says, hey, at Portland, Gargano fell apart, Gargano fell short. Um, you know, I heard all the hype, I heard all the hoopla about Johnny uh, about Johnny wrestling, about Johnny, in, uh, Johnny NXT, Johnny TakeOver, whatever the case may be. He fell short. I, I needed to remind you all that NXT is my chessboard, and next week you will see my next move. Now, next, I will. I'm, I'm going to skip over this because it just it didn't inspire me in the slightest. Raul Mendoza and Joaquin Wild versus the Grizzled Young Veterans. Uh, what do you want me to say here? Ragtag team. I don't really care about Raul Mendoza. I'm not going to lie. I'm not really sure about the status of the Grizzled Young Veterans because they're still referred to as the Grizzled Young Veterans from NXT UK. If they're going to make the transition over, there should be. Some some clarity on that. I, I like Joaquin Wild, but you know he wasn't going to win this. They're like throwing together a team versus a team that's trying to be pushed. Ticket to Mayhem got the win, and uh, and Zach Gibson after the fact cuts a cuts a promo about how America is supposed to be the land of the free and the home of the brave, but it's the land of the neckbeards and the home of the Yanks. Soon, and we're soon to be recognized as NXT's number one. Now I was bummed because their representation preceded them before the Dusty Classic, and what we brought over to the American audience from the UK audience was the whole if you hate Gibson shoes off and nobody did that tonight so I'm kind of bummed we got a recap of the announcement that was made on Sunday the next NXT UK takeover is happening for the first time in Dublin Ireland on Sunday April 26th and that's that's really cool I hope by then I will have, have caught up on a little bit more NXT UK so that the next time I'm previewing a UK show, it's not just, here's a match, here's who I'd like to see come over to NXT proper, the other guy can stay. Um, when I did Blackpool 2, I, was, I really went into that one really uneducated on what was going on in the brand, but I think I started off the video by saying, hey, I don't know what's going on in the brand. Broserweights come out, and uh, they have a little bit of back and forth about winning the titles. Matt Riddle says, bro, where's our golf cart? Uh, Pete Dunne says, it was impounded. But, we're, but the most, most important thing is we're the new tag champs. They got a huge, huge you deserve it chance from the full sale, uh, from the full sale crowd, from the full sale uh, loyalists. There's there's a word for the the full sale. The full sale faithful is is what a lot of people call them. The celebration continued. We partied all night, and the trophy's not here tonight because the trophy drank a little too much. The trophy failed the wellness policy, and the trophy is suspended for 30 days. Now just. Roll that idea around in your head for a second. But then, out come Lorcan and Birch. They they have a match, and, and I would I would tell you everything that happens, because I do have the notes on it. But realistically, it's three guys from the UK and one guy from UFC beating the ever-loving 
like the ever-loving shit out of each other. And it's Lorcan and Birch, who I want to see get a push. But your your wrestling logic, your wrestling critic hat does come on at some point, and it's like they are a team that's not pushed very often. They are a team that's brought in when another team needs to look really good. This is a better version of what they did with the uh, Mendoza and Wild versus the Grizzly Young Veterans because they've got to be going... At this point, they've got to be going for the Broserweights versus the Grizzly Young Veterans again because, I mean, the destruction of the Undisputed Era is already happening. But, um, yeah, it's just, it's just really, really hard-hitting stuff, and it's stuff that we've seen Birch and Dunn go at each other for the UK title over in NXT UK. Only Lorcan is underrated as fuck, and Matt Riddle is Matt Riddle talking about the trophy being suspended for 90 days for wellness policy violations. I do recommend... I, there, there's not much I can say to make this match exciting, which is why I'm not going to bother dissecting it. But it is a good match, and if you didn't see it, I would suggest you go back and see it, if that makes sense. There's nothing I can say about it that's going to make it sound any better, other than go see it. Uh, I mean, at the end, the, the X-Plex knee strike, or sorry, the uh, bitter end knee strike combination that the Broserweights have worked out is a, is a nice, decent finisher. Strong is shown in the back, telling the Undisputed Era to stay in the back because he needs to handle this himself tonight. Is that going to happen? Is it? Fuck. Forgotten Sons are shown on video on Twitter calling out the grizzled young veterans for making... F what do you do? What do you do with a team that's not getting over that nobody cares about? In America, you just you just, you just just crank up the America. And now I know they get a lot of criticism. I watch a lot of what culture, as you guys know. Um, they, they take a lot of pot shots at the American fans, and I, and I don't know that all of them are, are warranted. But, I mean, when you talk about the tropes in wrestling... Just when you want to get somebody cheered, just do some patriotic shit. So Forgotten Sons, and they said they said something like, "We are the land of the free because of the brave." And I know a couple of them have military histories, so I don't know whether you want to play on that too hard. We're already doing the Lacey Evans thing on SmackDown, and for some reason that's starting to work. I don't get it. Basically, the Forgotten Sons called out the Grizzly Young Veterans, and if this is played properly. It could be uh, a sort of a coming out party for the uh, for the Forgotten Sons, who you know people uh, they're they're becoming the jobber reference on NXT, and I and I've said it, and I and I've always said that I need a reason to get excited about these guys because usually I'm not, but I always have to temper that with the fact that they're not bad, they are decent in the ring, all three of them, the 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 tag the the tag team of. Uh, of uh, Blake and uh, oh, I can't even think of their names. That's totally going against my point. But the tag team and Jackson Riker as an individual, and the three of them as a three-man tag team, they are good. They just have to give us a reason to care, and they don't most of the time, and that's really, really unfortunate. So here's hoping Grizzled Young Veterans, who are basically new to American NXT. Um, I mean, I have, a, I have a weird way of looking at the Grizzled Young Veterans, because I did watch NXT UK when it started, and I'm going to hopefully get back into it before before April, before the Dublin show. But um, if I didn't if I didn't already have a bit of familiarity with them, I would be looking at them the, sort of the same way as I look at the, um, the Forgotten Sons. So, hopefully, both of these teams can sort of build off of each other, because neither one of them has a title, neither one of them is going for a title, it's not part of the tournament, they're just, it's just a match, it's just a call-out, so I hope it does something good for at least one of these teams, if not both. Um, Keith Lee comes out, 
and he's going to tell us all about retaining the North American Championship. But before you can say anything, he's cut off by, of all people, Kona, don't call me the Rock Reeves. Comes into the ring, and he goes to grab a microphone of his own. Before he can grab a microphone of his own, he gets a pounce. And then Lee says, ring the bell. And apparently this is a match. Big Bang Catastrophe, Lee wins that two-second match. It's fine. While he's celebrating, he turns around, and there's goddamn Dijak. Again! He says, he's not ready. I'm not ready to move on. I had you beat a takeover. If I hadn't hit the Spanish fly and screwed up my back, I could have won. So you made a mistake, which caused you to lose. Therefore, you didn't win. And Jesus Christ. Je don't. No. I don't care what they do with this right now. You got a couple of months. You can do this match as much as you want on TV. If this is the match we get again at NXT TakeOver Pirates or whatever the fuck they're calling it, I, I quit. I quit on the North American Championship, and that sucks because Lee's awesome, and I don't care about Dijak, and I do not care about this match. Even though we watched on Sunday, and what they did on Sunday was fucking tremendous. The Spanish Fly was tremendous. Keith Lee pulling off a head scissor is terrifying. But I don't need to see this match again. As much as they keep coming out and keep saying, okay, that was that match was a good time. I'm never going to go back and watch it. Never. Like, I'm never going to go back and watch it. The Sinton into the chair was, was a nice spot. But I'm not going to go back and watch it. Lee, his, his, he's sort of, he's a little bit frustrated, but he's still being respectful. But he, he, he tells him off a little bit. And I think he sort of speaks for what some of the fans are saying. He's like, we all have our excuses. The fact is that you won and I lost, but in truth, everywhere we go, they start chanting this. And he points out to the crowd, and this is exactly what I don't want the crowd to answer, but they start chanting, fight forever. He's like, I'm up for it. If you can convince William Regal, we can fight forever. Pfft. That's me. That's I'm, I'm done. I'm done. Like, I never want to see this match again. They're fine. Keith Lee is great. Dijak is good. I don't need to see this match ever again. Ever again. This is the... Do I want to say this? Yes, I do. This is the Baron Corbin Roman Reigns of NXT, and I don't need it. Oh. Oh, and speaking of what I don't need, we're going to get there in a second. If you saw my preview... If you saw my preview that I did with Jake for TakeOver Portland, I said a couple of pretty controversial things about Bianca Belair, and I gave Jake all the opportunity to disagree with me because what I said was controversial, and I knew it was going to tick off a bunch of people, and I didn't want to drag Jake down into that opinion with me if he didn't share it. And he, and he gave his own thoughts, in it, and it was really, really good. And then you saw the gear on Sunday, and the agenda was all over the gear. Was it not? Now, now, I don't want to think about that. What I want to think of is we're rebranding Chelsea Green. We're doing the Robert Stone brand thing, which is an interesting, interesting little wrinkle. And we got Caden Carter, who is awesome, who should have more of a prominent spot, who is really cool, who I hope they team with Casey Catanzaro eventually, because they're friends in real life, apparently. And I'm not saying that you would necessarily put the belts on them, but they'd be a cool, interesting little contender if the Kabuki Warriors want to come back and uh, and visit NXT again, and even have like a sort of an exhibition for those for those tag titles. I think they're they're a lot of fun. Caden Carter, I want to I want her to succeed. This is one of those ones that I just look at and I'm like, you know what? You're cool. I like what you do. I want you to succeed. That's it. Or 
I don't know, give her a feud with Shotzi Blackheart, like mid-card women's feud at the next TakeOver, I, I don't know. Well, at the next TakeOver, we don't know if there's going to be a women's championship match, because that's happening at WrestleMania, with Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley, who deserve it. Oh yes, sorry, don't watch the screen, my nose is really, really itchy. I work in a really, really dry place, so I just... My nose is itchy. For those of you listening in audio, I'm sure that's fucking wonderful. Anyways, Caden Carter versus Chelsea Green. The rematch. The reboot of Chelsea Green. The reboot of the Robert Stone brand. We started off with a boot by Green and a roll-up attempt by Carter in a series of strikes. A roll-through. Super kick by Carter. Backbreaker by Green. Gut shots by Green. And a camel clutch and a neck vice. Slingshot hangman by Green. And uh, and she's standing on the hair for reasons. Because Caden Carter's got that those weird white dreads that actually look kind of cool. But it doesn't matter. Into the ring steps Bianca Belair for reasons. And she's got entirely different gear on. And that gear has the agenda written all over it, does it not? And somebody made the mistake of giving her a microphone. Did they not? And she talks some bullshit about Charlotte. I don't care if it's here or there or whatever. And she pulls out the you don't go here again. First of all, First of all, is it Clueless or Mean Girls that that is from? Because I don't know. I used to know where that reference was from. I'd have to go back and watch another Adam Cleary video because he marked out for it, which is fine. But either way, how old is the movie? How lame is the reference? And how many times has she used it to bulk up her otherwise lackluster promos? That's right, lackluster promos. Now, she calls out Charlotte Flair. Now, here's the thing. Here's where the people that were pissed off about the wild card rule, pissed off about the wild card rule, I will side with them 100%. Because Bianca Belair should not have any connection to Charlotte Flair. Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley are connected by one reason and one reason only, and that's the fact that Charlotte has won the Royal Rumble, and she is challenging Rhea Ripley. So they are linked at that point. Rhea Ripley has a reason to be on Raw, the Raw brand. Charlotte Flair has earned a reason to go over to NXT to continue that feud. There is no reason for Charlotte Flair to be feuding with anybody else on NXT, let alone let alone Bianca Belair. And there's no reason at all that Bianca Belair needs to be calling out people from the main roster when she has no key to doing that. And it's bullshit. And, and, and oh, God, God. Give me strength. February is almost over. That's all That's all I'm hanging my hat. I'm hanging my hat, literally. Here's my hat. For those of you watching in the audio, you have to imagine that I'm waving my hat around. Here's my hat. I am hanging my hat on the fact that this bullshit, this absolute cut and paste, tick the boxes because it's that time of year, bullshit is over at the end of February. We can go through March nice and clean. Bianca Belair can have a, a feud with somebody else. I'm going to get to that in a second as well. But this needs, to, this needs to fuck off. The most important championship in WWE right now is the NXT Women's Championship. I, I hate to say that because there's a lot of other people trying to do a lot of other cool things. But NXT's women's division, the women's division that we can beat AEW over the head with, I say it every week, is headed up by Rhea Ripley because it's her time now, like it was Becky Lynch's time last year. She is holding that mantle. She is holding that, that, that oracle. She is the head of that brand. And she's going up against Charlotte Flair, who is that for the main roster in a lot of ways. You take a look at anybody you like. Bailey, Sasha Banks, Naomi, um, I don't know, Becky Lynch, Ronda Rousey. Anybody you can mention. Anybody that you like 
probably had their best main roster match against Charlotte Flair. Asuka, Kyrie Sane, lots and lots and lots of other people. Ember Moon had decent matches with Charlotte Flair. She is that for the main roster, and Rhea Ripley is having that moment in NXT. They are bigger, and that match is bigger than whatever you think Bianca Belair is. That is just fact. And if we get into this thing, when WrestleMania comes around, because it happened last year. It happened last year, that's how we got the triple threat. The triple threat matches at WrestleMania now consist of the real match that everybody wants to see, and the one person that was left out that everybody bitched about, so we shoved them in. And that's how you get WrestleMania triple threat matches, and I don't want that to happen to this. I mean, I know we give WWE a lot of stick because they lean on firsts a lot. This will be the first NXT championship defended at a WrestleMania event. Please don't fuck it up. Because you're sucking up to the wrong people and you're looking at the wrong part of the calendar. That's all. Anyways, she mic drops after talking some, some bullshit. There's a pinning reversal sequence. The match just keeps going, which is kind of hilarious. Uh, there's a super kick by Carter, but Carter gets tripped by Robert Stone on the outside of the ring. There's this really weird sort of twisting, modified, unprettier thing that Green did. I think she might have messed it up a little bit, but it made it look better. So I'm giving her a pass on that. Green gets the win. It's It's fine. You, ha you have to play it a little bit differently with a, a male manager of female talent. Because if you take a look at something like a Andrade, for example. Now, if Andrade took on Finn Balor, she could get involved. She could hit a head scissor on Finn Balor. You're not going to have Robert Stone go in there and like plow somebody in the face when the referee's not looking. So the, the dynamic of a male manager... We've got male managers, for sure. Uh, MVP wants to be Drew McIntyre's manager. You got Paul Heyman being the obvious example, but a male manager of female talent is a really... I don't know that it'll work, if I'm completely honest with you. I really don't know if it'll work. Um, I mean, it's Robbie E. It's 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 Mrs. Zack Ryder, and I like Caden Carter, so everything here worked. A little bit cheesy, but cheesy in the right way, and it was interrupted by by Agenda and SJW crap and bullshit and a wrestler that whose time has passed. Go trip on your hair in the back. It's fine. Velveteen, okay, then we get the announcement, obviously, that Ciampa's facing Theory next week. Theory's gonna die. We already been over this. Velveteen Dream versus Roderick Strong, and as I said, both of these guys are great. Good to see Velveteen Dream come back. Weird weird ring gear. His ring gear kind of looked like one-piece pajamas, which is awkward. But Velveteen Dream versus Roderick Strong. Dream bails outside the ring. There's a lot of Dream bailing to the outside, and it's smart babyface sort of dressed up like cowardly heel, except he's not the heel. So it was weird. I didn't know how to take that at first. But if you look at it at the same time, you got one guy that hurt another guy, but that guy's getting back to him by targeting his family. So there's no good guy in this match. I mean, Velveteen Dream is the babyface because he's the one that everybody's cheering for. I get it. But there's no good guy in this match, like, at all. Uh, so when we get to the end, I don't necessarily feel bad for Velveteen Dream. I don't know if that's what they're going for. I don't know if they're going for, like, a very, very purple gray area. That was terrible, and I'll never do that again. It's fine. Dream bails to the outside to start. They got some chain wrestling in the early going. A right hand by Dream who tries to use his weight belt, but it gets taken away by the referee. A double leg by Strong. Each man tries for a leg lock on the other. Drop kick by Dream. 
uh, Hangman on the Hangman on the rail by Dream as they brawl to the outside. Neckbreaker on the rail by Strong because you know it's sort of anything you can do. Anybody I can do better. I'm you. You're gonna use the rail. I'll use the rail. It's fine. Outside in suplex by Strong and a mounted ten punch front face lock and knee strike by Strong a sleeper. A back body drop by Dream body shots and a head and their heads crack in the corner and it was. I don't know if they actually did botch and hit each other or somebody just got the, you know, the slap of the leg at the right time or whatever, but it sounded loud and it looked like it hurt. So, A, I hope they're all right. B, kudos to them. If they fooled me, it's fine. They trained some elbow shots as a backbreaker on the turnbuckle bolt by Strong. Powerbomb... Powerbomb and a stronghold by Strong. Dream tosses Strong out of the ring. They trade some more elbow shots. They trade some more kicks and punches and whatever. There's a uh, there's a super kick by Dream. A Dream Valley driver on the outside. He takes off the pants. Because we don't have Angel Garza this week, we have Velveteen Dream taking off his pants again. And there's another set of pants with another version of his wife on the front and back. And it's a little weird, but it's fine. Undisputed Era tune up, turn up on the outside. But Velveteen Dream, because he's fucking Superman apparently hits a cross body block on all four of them hits the Dream Valley driver again and gets the quick win doesn't get to celebrate because there's a four on one beatdown by the Undisputed Era to end the show and the Undisputed Era still stand tall if not a little lighter on gold fine wonderful um the match seemed a bit rushed the match okay I'm gonna say two contradictory things here the match seemed rushed but at the same time the match didn't feel like it ever got out of first gear if that makes sense so you spent a little bit of time aggressively fighting in first gear. So I hope this match is going to come along and do something else. This match, if they hit it once now, and then they both get distracted and do other things and come back and find each other towards TakeOver Pirates time, I wouldn't mind this at the pay-per-view. I was surprised they didn't put it on the last pay-per-view. I was surprised they didn't fast-track it to last Sunday's show. It would have been, it would have been fine. It would have been quick. It would have been a quick, here's Dream, here's the match, go. Uh, and that's not the best thing in the world. But it was all right. It was what the Dakota Kai-Tegan Knox match on NXT was. Okay, that's a little bit. Give us some more. Put some other stakes on it. Put a gimmick on it. You want to do, like, no holds barred, everybody barred from ringside, however, however they want to play that up. The Velveteen Dream wants to get himself a little bit of backup just in case. Um, you know what I would love to see? Actually, and people are going to hate me for this because it's cheesy as hell. I would love to see Velveteen Dream invite back as his personal guests uh, the Street Profits for a night. For, so that they can just be in his corner. They'll get a great uh, NXT nostalgia pop and it'll be more fun for them than anything they've done on the main roster. I think they have a title shot in Saudi Arabia, but we don't need to talk about it. It's fine. Coming up, what does NXT have us looking forward to? This I said... Coming out of Portland, look at the pay-per-view we just had, and we still have Dream versus Strong and Rush versus Devlin to look forward to. How spoiled are we by the gold and black brand? Now, next we've we've got Ciampa versus Theory, which again, I'm gonna say it for the third time, Theory's gonna die. It's fine. We get to see what Balor's next move is, whatever that means. Pr pretty much I think he's gonna show up next week and say he wants another shot at Adam Cole, baby, and I am okay with that. In two weeks we have Dakota Kai and Tegan Knox in a steel cage, which is great. I'm sure sometime between now and later we're gonna get some more Bianca Belair trying to call out Charlotte bullshit. I really hope Charlotte just like shows up on the NXT stage while Bianca Belair is cutting a promo and just says, you know what? Nah. 
That would be it. That would be fucking wonderful. And then on the horizon, the flag at the finish line is Ripley versus Charlotte, the first NXT title match in the history of WrestleMania. This is a lot. It's a lot to take in. It's a lot to get over. It's a lot of frustration for me to ignore, but it's a lot to look forward to, and I hope you guys have enjoyed it. I'm losing my voice incredibly. If you've been watching the video, you've been watching me scratch my nose a lot, which I'm sure is super fun. If you're listening in the audio, you don't have to worry about any of that shit. You just have to worry about how annoying it is when I do that. Anyways, that's about it. I've been Spaz, your YWC reality check. Subscribe up there, talk down there, start a conversation. Keep all these conversations going. Don't be a stranger. I will talk to each and every last one of you later, but for right now, I am tagging out. Bye, guys.